0: And that was Alinka and Alice from Amania whose yodel rap mashup made it through from Thursday night's Eurovision semi-final to compete in the main event which takes place on Saturday night in Kiev. Unlike Ireland's Brendan Murray who failed at the first hurdle. Hello, I'm Hugh Linehan and you are very welcome to this latest instalment of Inside Story, a podcast series from the Irish Times in which we talk to our journalists about the background to all kinds of stories they're working on for the print edition or on irishtimes.com and today I am joined on the line from Kiev by Patrick Frane who has the onerous task of being our regular Eurovision correspondent Patrick uh, another another uh, failure for Ireland
1: Yeah and, and if you talk to the Eurovision fans or look at the bookies uh, it's not a big surprise um, Ireland wasn't really tipped to go through um, we have not done well at this competition in some time and actually when you meet fans from other countries here and say you're from Ireland it's quite funny they kind of they, they, they often put their hand on their shoulder and they go Johnny Logan, Linda Martin what happened? Like, this has happened to me about three times. So there's this real sense that Ireland's like yesterday's country when the Eurovision is concerned.
0: So there's, a, there's almost a sense that um, Ireland are sort of like the English soccer team of Eurovision. Aren't they always harking back to past glories, but Just not at the races anymore.
1: We're not at the races anymore, and and I kind of come to understand that there's really good reasons for that. Like we like to blame external factors, like the politics or tactical voting between countries. But good songs still make it through to the final. If if there's a really good song, it always makes it through to the final. the problem in ireland is that the country doesn't really take it seriously anymore we see it as this bit of fun where we get to kind of laugh at the europeans nearly every other country apart from the uk takes it seriously as a song competition so you mightn't be into the style of song or you mightn't be into pop music but there's some really good songs in the competition that you could imagine on chart radio we don't send those songs anymore
0: and is is that a change in Eurovision itself? I don't want to dig too deep into this because, of course, it doesn't necessarily deserve it, but it does strike me let's looking at... Deep. <laughs> let's dig deep. let uh, having, having watched, because I've got a Eurovision fanatic in my house, so having watched the entirety of the two semifinals uh, and watched it uh, over the last few years, it strikes me that you're, the, the, the what you might call the the average Eurovision song has got better in that it's got more like the pop mainstream. It's become better produced. Um, I remember I was watching a Katy Perry video a few months ago and I thought, that could be in Eurovision and I was listening to the new record from Haim on my Spotify the other day and some of them some of those some of those songs I thought they're kind of glossy you know soft pop uh, very well produced not unlike some of the stuff I saw from Switzerland and Austria last because night Because we're
1: totally behind the curve now once upon a time perhaps other like so it's a way bigger competition now than it was and perhaps in the past the Eurovision was this kind of dated relic but we now live in an era where everything is kind the niche stuff there's no mass markets and here's eurovision the biggest tv show in the world around 200 million people watching it and we're idiots the music industry in ireland and britain are idiots they don't take it seriously because if you look at the favorite songs like the portuguese song or the italian song which is the one that features the monkey in the performance um they're already in the itunes charts all over europe whereas as a eurovision fan said to me um, said to me there earlier in the week, Ireland's Eurovision entries largely don't even make it into the Irish charts, and if they do, they make it. In, so we don't even like our own songs. So we, so we kind of view it as this kind of funny freak show that we watch. Um, actually, it's this huge platform.
0: And, and so, I mean, speaking of dated relics, you were spending some time with Louis Walsh <laughs> yesterday, and um, uh, and Linda Martin, of course, was involved. I think and to some extent in the in, in the selection of this of this particular entry. I mean, is. I mean is that where the problem lies it seems to me again and again over the last few years and the various ways in which RTE have tried to figure out this this particular conundrum they've gone to the kind of the heyday of the of of the Louis Walsh boy bands or that kind of that kind of stream of dna in irish pop music and you know i mean frankly that was always dreck and it doesn't you know doesn't sound any better at 20 years removed so is that part of the mistake
1: um, uh, yeah i don't think the problem is that louis and linda are necessarily relics um, I think I said last year on a podcast after doing the show in Stockholm that I think uh, Ireland has failed the Eurovision, the Irish people have failed the Eurovision. Um, I think whether they do internal selection or public selection, it doesn't really make any difference anymore because people aren't interested in submitting their songs. So whenever they do a public kind of selection process, they get a barrage of amateur songwriters. And in contrast, Somewhere like Sweden that does a six week melody festival and song competition to choose their song contest gets the likes of Glenn Hansard sending in songs. And they get the best uh, songwriters in the country because everywhere except UK and Ireland, they realize that this is a huge opportunity with 200 million people watching. and the music industry is all over it. There's The snobbery we have here is really self-defeating.
0: I'm sure that's true. But I mean, it's interesting. You were talking to Louis Walsh yesterday and, and even the way in which he was talking about how the songs in the contest, you know, they don't shift any units anymore. He seemed to be kind of speaking in sort of a 1990s speak in terms of understanding how the pop industry works. Like,
1: yeah, you could argue that some of it is about the selection. But I think um, if you look at those other European countries, they don't have to go searching for songs like we do they get sent songs by every good songwriter every professional songwriter in the country there's a kind of the general snobbery we have about it i think is part of the problem um and they don't have that snobbery in other countries and i don't know why we have the snobbery anyway because pop music is silly and like the most amazing pop music in the world is silly the best hits from motown are silly so the idea that we think we're somehow above the Eurovision because there's an element of silliness in the presentation uh, I think a lot of that snobbery and maybe a little bit of chauvinism
0: you know looking at all these entering, God knows I've looked at you know whatever it is 30 of them or so this this week so yeah. far there is a kind of a modular approach there to 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 building a Eurovision song in terms of the nature of the song there's about two or three different genres there's an Adele style ballad there's a kind of wind in your hair kind of a you know big big noise kind of a thing or there's a choreographed boy Band type of a thing, and then there's a big presentation, a kind of CGI presentation in the background, and a certain way of staging it. And very often there's a key prop so that when it comes to voting, people can go, "Oh, that's the song with the monkey," or yeah. "That's the song with the yodeling," or "That's the song with the cannon," or indeed, "That's the song with the balloon." Which in this case, they didn't say
1: those are all just pop music things though so the props is so they went really mad into the screens over the last few years the props this year were really big things so there's like the odling guys had cannons we had a balloon Um, There's, I think the Austrian had a big crescent moon. That is so that people remember it when they come to vote. Um, I think the modular nature of pop though, pop is always about novelty. So you're always looking like really good puppets tend to, I love that yodeling song, which really surprised me. I never thought I'd like a song with yodeling in it. Um, And I really liked the mad Croatian entry that uh, had a big good man talking to, basically duetting with himself. Uh, with a pop voice and an opera voice. My friend. My friend. That's all kind of fun. And I think, like, like all my snobbery about Eurovision's gone. Like, any of the snobbery I still have is, is more the snobbery I have about pop music. And it's not even snobbery. I just love the silliness of pop music. And I don't think it detracts from your enjoyment.
0: How then does the issue of kind of camp and gayness and the mosh fit with all those very healthy looking men in their tight t-shirts, obviously having a great time, how does that fit with that?
1: I think that uh, as a lot of gay Irish fans I've met have said to me this year and last year... Um, I think general public only realized it was very popular with the gay community in kind of the late 90s and Karen Fricker, the academic who often uh, writes for for this paper about Eurovision, has said that it was due to 1998, which was the first year. It was the year that Diva won and it was also the year that they opened up the audience. So it wasn't just invited guests in suits um, so much anymore. And it was just glaringly obvious that this was popular with the gay community Um, for gay people. I think it offered them like older gay men have said to me it was a way they could express their uh, LGBT identity and also be patriotic. So it was kind of like their World Cup. And it was one of these little outlets they'd found in in a more oppressive time. Um, I think it's hugely significant in a place like Ukraine. Um, I talked to uh, the pride organizer, one of the pride organizers, a guy called Zaryan Kiss earlier in the week, um, and he was saying it was hugely important that they won last year because pride was happening soon afterwards. Previous pride parades in Kiev have had loads of far right violence. There's only been three, and the one last year was by far the most successful because the authorities went out of their way to make sure there was no problems because Eurovision was coming. Um, So there is a, I don't think it's as widely known here that it's popular with the gay community, but it's known enough that they're they're kind of conscious of these things.
0: And then you've mentioned, you know, the, the politics to some extent on the ground in relation to that. And there has been a lot of politics, particularly around the, the, you know, the conflict between Ukraine and Russia, both in terms of the winning Ukrainian song last year and the fact that Russia aren't uh, aren't at the competition in Kiev this year. Um, and uh, the, Pointy headed broadsheet newspapers like ours tend to focus an awful lot on this element of it, Eurovision as representation of geopolitical tensions and social change and and, and all of that. But I wonder do we overplay that to some extent? Because to be honest, looking at everybody else in the competition this year, I don't see any kind of sign of that sort of thing.
1: We we do and we don't. Um like I find it really interesting because I'm a pointy-headed Irish Times journalist. Um Uh, And every few years there's an issue with like somebody waving a flag from a contested territory or this year there was a very significant issue where the Russian entry had played in annexed Crimea so couldn't come here legally by Ukrainian law. Um, For Eurovision fans in what they call themselves the Eurovision bubble, uh, Eurovision is about unity and they don't like those conflicts so much, but there's a, there's a huge soft politics that that goes with this too. Like I think, um, like I think hosting it here is really significant for Kiev. They get to show politically that life goes on despite what's happening over in the east. And I I think that there is a kind of general little sense of utopian. We're all in this together, uh, a brotherhood of man kind of thing that comes with. Um, with the Eurovision anyway.
0: I suppose finally Patrick, tell us uh, tell us two things actually. Tell us who's going to win on Saturday night and who you'd like to see win on Saturday night.
1: Um, I love the Odling song. I don't know why I love the Odling song but I don't think it's going to win. Uh, everyone here thinks uh, Italy's going to win and the the odds are on Italy. It's, the song is really good. It's actually, it's got a man in a monkey suit dancing around on stage as part of the act but apparently that's a reference to Desmond Morris's The Naked Ape. Um, so it's, it, the song is all about, uh, I think, uh, it, it's got philosophical overtones, apparently. Um, actually, just one other thing I should mention. Um, I've never seen levels of security like there are here. Uh, there's, every street has hundreds of policemen on it. Um, and I think they're just really, really conscious that beca- because of the reasons I was saying earlier about... Um, it's a showcase for Kiev as an, as an European-leaning, um, functioning city. Uh, if anything went wrong, it, it would throw that up in the air entire, completely. So uh, there's police and army everywhere.
0: Right. Well, let's hope nothing does go wrong. And uh, see you back in Dublin safely on, on Sunday. Patrick Fane. thanks for joining us.
1: Hello. Hello Hi Is that all okay? Uh, Kiev calling <laughs> no, That's great <laughs> have done that
0: And that's it for this Poptastic edition Of Inside Story We're going to play out With a little bit of Francesco Gabani And his dancing monkey With Patrick's favourite From Saturday evening Thanks to our producer Declan Conlon And remember you can Get me an email At hlinnehan At irishtimes.com Or you can find me On Twitter But until the next time Goodbye and thanks very much Indeed for listening